This is the Braither Point. You have reached the White House official Antifa hotline. Antifa.com still goes to whitehouse.gov. But like everything else Biden, the link broke. If you are a Ukraine Nazi, illegal alien, criminal felon, terrorist, or drug trafficker, please stay on the line. For pallets of bricks, press one. Umbrellas, press two. For official looking police or patriot front garb, press three. For all other departments, including shadowy government employees, press four. And don't miss our special flying monkey zombie pox COVID direct brain injection paid for by our new training exempt carbon gun tax, press 666. If you're an American citizen, veteran, or Christian, just stay on the line. No one will answer, but we want you distracted when we swat you. I'm a retired SOCOM soldier, former DIA intelligence collector, and ex-DEA special agent. Targeted by the deep state, turned whistleblower, now your intelligence officer. Repurposed as chaplain, leader, teacher, and truth teller. New mission, restore our fallen republic. Objective, defeat the deep state. Means, expose fake news. Tools, truth, discernment, and free will. Attention, deep state Dems, rhinos, BLM, Antifa, and assorted traitors and enemies, foreign and domestic. Your masks won't silence us. Your shutdowns won't stop us. Your riots don't scare us. You're not as organized as the British. You're not as disciplined as the Nazis. You're not as fierce as the Imperial Japanese. You're not as brutal as ISIS. We beat them all. You're next. Welcome. I'm Jeff Prather, and this is the Prather Point. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go to jeffreyprather.com, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-P-R-A-T-H-E-R.com, and subscribe for my free newsletter. One just came out. For a deeper dive, you can go to for free and subscribe at jeffreyprather.locals.com. Uh, or I have a new special program because I know things are hurting. People are hurting with the economy. Uh, for a deeper dive, you can always still go to my patreon.com slash Jeffrey Prather, $5 curated news, uh, $15 transcripts, $25 training videos, and you can go into the shop. Uh, there's the usual job rescue kits, all of that uh, happening there uh, as well. If you want to advertise your business, like I'm talking to Australian uh, special operations soldiers, SAS guys, uh, then you can go to the Jeffrey Prather biz page for $360 uh, for three months. You can advertise your patriotic business. So real quick, uh, you'll notice the background is different. Uh, and I apologize if the feed is weak, uh, but I have displaced. Uh, I am no longer in Arizona. I have moved. Uh, now, the warriorschool.com, the handgun martial arts class is still going. I have senior instructors that have been with me for decades there. And the dojo, Bujikan USA, since 1990 is still going. You can still come by. Uh, but I am not there. I am elsewhere. Um, so, and I'm not going to get into that right now uh, because I don't want to draw fire or anything. Uh, it's just a better place for my family and for my uh, children to grow up in. And that's why you see the different uh, shelf there. But thanks for, for everybody for your prayers and all your help and folks have been helping me move. want to jump in here real quick and show you this clip. So remember I talked about Ovalde. I proved through evidence, which is fact-based uh, truth, and intelligence, which is assessed information. This was a false flag. I showed you the film 
of the two guys standing there that everybody cut from the film that they showed on all the fake news. I, I showed you about the plane flying in, which is a signature of special operations intelligence, uh, lots of other things. And I said that was a false flag. I said also that there was an information influence operation message with that. And that message was a whole bunch of good guys with guns couldn't stop one guy with a gun. So that was the fifth generation information influence operation message along with the covert false flag. So listen to this. This is a clip this week from a Tucson school. So I just came from Tucson. Ovalde is near the border. Tucson is near the border. Listen to this. I don't think Army, having more armed people on our campus is going to be the solution. Unfortunately, in Ovalde, we have, there were 40 people on the lawn that were fully armed. USD has a school. And there it is. That confirms what I was saying about the information influence operation intelligence uh, there. That was the whole purpose of that to happen that way. That's why they wanted it that way. So that's very important to understand uh, that. And further, uh, I don't think I have it anymore. I've lost it because I'm a dinosaur. Uh, but uh, there is also a lot of articles showing uh, videos of the police standing outside the door. They did not test the door. That's one of the first things you do when you're going to do either a dynamic or deliberate entry is see if the door is already open and you don't have to bang it. Uh, and they did not do that. And they're standing now standing out there waiting because they were told to. When Americans figure out that our children were massacred and our children were left in Afghanistan uh, to for the, the to fund and the, defend this false treasonous uh, tranny regime, they will hang them from the lamp posts. Mark my words. So that is uh, confirmation there that they did not try the door that they were standing outside the door. Everything has fallen apart because they are incompetent. Uh, that's why they have to do all these things. So, uh, but without further ado, I want to get to my uh, special guest here. Uh, and I will um, read uh, from his own uh, biography before I bring him on. I'm really excited to have him. He is a much more qualified combat veteran uh, Green Beret than I ever was or ever will be. And he says uh, he is a career military dude, having served two branches. He was a United States Marine Corps infantryman, a recon Marine, a scout sniper. Then he cross-decked into uh, U.S. Army Special Forces. That's Green Berets. Uh, he was a sniper in a direct action unit, an assaulter in the same, taught CQB, close quarter battle, was also involved in some weirdo intelligence ninja stuff like me. In fact, um, he's not just regularly handsome door kicker, but also an 18 Foxtrot, which is a Special Forces intelligence uh, sergeant. Uh, he's operated all over the world. He's turned illiterate peasants and dirt-worshipping heathens into, with third-grade education into functional armies, uh, which I just love that. And I am really excited uh, to have uh, Clay uh, on with me. Welcome, Clay, the author of Prairie Fire. Hey, Jeff. Great to be here, man. <laughs> That's wild. Thanks man. so much wild. for coming in. Did you like the Thanks, intro? Was really that cool? It. Yeah. No, that was awesome, man. <laughs> That's really righteous. And there's a, there's actually so, one thing on the there's a, there's one thing on Uvalde. Have you seen it today? Where uh, supposedly, like confirmed, confirmed this, but there's source multiple sources saying one of the cops standing outside had already gotten a phone call from his wife. She was in the classroom, shot and bleeding, and we're supposed to believe that he stayed in the hallway and let this shit happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? I hadn't heard <laughs> But so then you would agree with my assessment that this was another false flag like uh, uh, New York, like Buffalo, uh, but that was also an information influence operation, a fifth gen information influence operation. You would agree with that? I pretty much would have to, man. You, you look at this one, and it, sometimes you got to take a step back. Let's say, okay, you know, let's let's look at this from the the, the worst or the the best case scenario. I, I can't fathom that, that that forty cops would stand outside of a classroom for an hour like that. N- that none of that that just that's not adding up this time. It's really, really not. Yeah, I I I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't see this being anything else. Like, there's no way this is legit. Well, they did active shooter training two months before, and standard. Oh, you, know, I'm, you and I have both done a lot of active shooter training, and uh, you know, it's you, you don't wait. It's not you know right. set up and call the you go you go. You don't even you don't even clear rooms anymore. You form a diamond formation. Uh, right, you guys have their gun, you go past it. You go to the sound of the gun. Go to the sound of gun. Everybody, right, especially yeah. for certainly for the last five years, absolutely for the last ten years, and a lot of places for the last twenty years. That's been policy. So yeah, man, this one, this is there's a lot of stinkiness with this one. It's uh, it, it's almost like this one's gotten to the humiliation point as well. Like, like we're just that we're just screwing with you. Well, I think we're well past the humiliation point with the uh, gay pride flags and trannies. It's and, uh, <laughs> a different thing, right? No, this is this is definitely more rubbing it in your face, though. Like we can do this at will. I mean, I, I know Rich Carmona, who was also Vietnam SF, you know, and he was Surgeon General. He's a friend of mine, and Purple Heart and tough guy. But now the Surgeon General's in a dress. And, <laughs> yeah. Terrifying, terrifying stuff. And, yeah. But you, but you, you know, so a friend of mine that I was commissioned with uh, back in the 80s uh, turned me on to you. And I just loved your stuff. And I was following you. But it was so true. And the insight and the depth and the, the history um, and how you um, laid every I so on Team America, I tell all my Team America team leaders and everybody to read Prairie Fire, and you should all read uh, Prairie Fire. Uh, it's it's a very important uh, book from a guy on the ground who's been doing this uh, forever and understands it um, very well. But I, I thought it was particularly appropriate to have you on today because Texas just said they don't believe the election was legitimate. They're talking about secession. They seceded yes. before. Mm-hmm. It's part of their state constitution that they can secede. And of course, Texas, like Florida, is one of the free states. And that's why I think Uvalde happened because you got to go kinetic where you don't have uh, mm-hmm. propaganda control. You got to go kinetic. No, I agree. I agree with that fully. That, that makes absolute sense. Uh, it uh, It is funny that. That first leads to civil war. Now, in the past, I've said. Uh, we're not in civil war. We're in a fifth gen covert war. But now I think you are right again. We are we are approaching a civil war. Um, but anyway, I'll shut up and let you talk. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely escalating that way. And uh, yeah, a couple of points there with, with what we were talking about. Texas is unique, as as you just discussed there. I've actually been training a fair amount of guys down in Texas here recently. But when you look at regions of the United States that could break away. Texas has always been way, way up there as far as probabilities go. None of those bits in their in their constitution, but just a, a cultural understanding of it used to be their own country. Uh, technically, already broke away from the Union once. All it did work out for them back in eighteen sixty. 
Uh, and there's this thing kind of like, I call it Texas nationalism, that is, is a very strong cultural influence there. And to me, that's one of the things that makes like Texas, like probably the number one candidate to uh, to do the break if it's going to come to that. Uh, they, they've also got a, an independent streak. You could say there's a, a higher independent streak up in like the Northwest, particularly like Montana, stuff like that. But those people mostly want to be left alone. That's a different animal than, uh, than looking at our, our Texas brethren there. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the the, the last pieces uh, premises of, of of the book anyway is. It wouldn't take much for a couple of state legislatures to snap off and, uh, and say, we're just not doing this anymore, or uh, you've overstepped the Constitution so much that we're not doing this. Or like we're talking about with Texas, and we, we talked about particularly in, uh, in Prairie Fire, to just say that that election was not valid, we don't recognize it. Like, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, that's exactly how civil wars start. And it, it sounds crazy to some people, but that's well within the realm of possibilities. And I, I say now very high in the realm of possibilities. Well, then I think it's also so, you know, there's the American Redoubt group, which talks about mm-hmm. Montana and Idaho. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really find that in a redoubt for people who don't know is the tower and a castle. It's the last line of defense because they're very canalized as they come up. But I don't really see that as that viable from a special forces um, auxiliary building, rapport building point of view. But Texas has got their oil, their gas, they've got right. ports. Uh, they've got they've got the problem with the border, but they've also so I think Texas, like Florida, is much more likely um, and that whole southern region. Um, right. To, to break a I, I think that's the important point about Texas. Now, to the uh, the the, uh, the American Redoubt guys, I, I lived in Idaho for quite some time where both my children were born, actually. I, I can see it to an extent. Uh, those people are very tough. It's a very tough terrain up there to fight in, especially if you get north of Moscow for, uh, for Idaho. Uh, it's places where drones and things like that don't work very well. And they're also traditionally kind of mountain folk and kind of clannish already. However, they are really short on numbers. Like, they're not, they don't have numbers for shit. And the other thing is, like you mentioned, they're very light on resources. Uh, they have absolutely no port access. Uh, they have not much in terms of uh, of energy when you talk about oil and gas, things like that. So I don't see that one really working. That could turn into like a lawless land that's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, kind of like the SWAT region of Pakistan where the laws are kind of really not enforced or really not its own autonomous thing either. I think as far as, uh, you know, actually succeeding with it, yeah, Texas is probably like number one. Uh, Florida definitely has to be up there. And that kind of starts a domino effect, just like it did last time, uh, of other states that are just not going to take it anymore. So, I mean, very high in the possibilities. Yeah, the, the, the mountain terrain, the terrain shapes people, in, just like in Afghanistan and in Appalachia. Right. You've got very and tough guys, just like in the highlands uh, you know, of Scotland. You've got tough right. people. But you've talked a lot about – another thing I really like is you talk about the generations of war. I think we, we – you know, that's kind of – we're still feeling – I think fourth-gen war, insurgency war is pretty well-defined. Fifth-gen and sixth-gen, that's still a little fuzzy right. uh, around right. the edge. Because you don't know if you're in one a lot of times. Uh, but um, I think uh, you'd agree with me that we are in a fourth gen nonviolent, not illegal. I'm not advocating anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or violent. The left does continually and blatantly. Um, but we're in a fourth gen um, insurgency war where we're building the resistance and the auxiliary in our own country against our own government who's waging a global Fourth, I say, G. Watt was World War Three. Global um, World War Four, 
great reset. Would you agree on all those? No, I mean, I think it's a very, very valid point. Uh, yeah, I think I, that's a pretty good assessment of where we are. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of bleed of third into fourth and fourth into fifth. And uh, to me, it's just, it's really not getting that worth wrapped around the, the exact clinical definitions of is this uh, fourth or fifth. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, our, our government has definitely been waging a, a fourth-generation war on us for at least at least four years, if not closer to twenty years, if not maybe even you know sixty or seventy years, when you get right down to it. So a lot of our side is just now kind of catching up to. Oh my God, we have to build these these parallel structures as well as this you know auxiliary. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah, I think that's fair. The uh, the global fourth generation is definitely true, although they're trying to turn that into, I think, also a global uh, third generation war with this Ukraine nonsense, too. I think that's kind of one of the objectives. Well, I, I think that uh, China is trying to so Xi's plan was defeat the United States. There's a Chinese general that said we defeat the United <coughs> States in 2020 in a fifth gen war. Not the United States people, but the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, through espionage and sabotage, thousand talents programs. Well, and the second was rule the world. So that means take on the third superpower. So what's better than to get um, the eagle and the bear fighting each other? It's it's brilliant. I mean, it, it is absolutely brilliant. And that's it's kind of something I would expect from Chinese general staff at, at this day and age. Uh, yeah, you can get two two uh, two tough guys to just absolutely maul each other first. You're the de facto guy left. Yeah, no, that's a great strategy. And uh, I don't think it's outside of uh, of the possibility of what they're trying to do, and may succeed at doing. Uh, it it, it kind of to, to me, I take a little bit of a step back uh, in that I didn't realize personally until 2020 happened how embedded the Chinese were, how much damage they had already done to us. It's just something that I'd never paid attention to. One, and then two, not being a, a cultural expert on that part of the uh, the world. But, you know, best believe I started catching up after things became obvious. I really after COVID started. So I was like, this really doesn't seem right. Uh, so catching up on that. Yeah, they are in deeper and have done more damage to us it, it, behind the scenes shadow stuff that, that, that most people don't see that we will ever, I, I think, uh, understand fully. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Clinton White House. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the fact that old uh, Billy Boy was selling top secret clearances to Chinese uh Chinese scientists as, as late as like 1993, 1994. It was a well-known fact. And they'd show up right at the White House, get a, a donation, and then uh, this, this clearance be granted, which is insane. So, yeah, they're, they're deeply embedded. And that's their, kind of their way, too. If they can fight without fighting, that's absolutely what they're going to do, and they're very good at it. Yeah, the Thousand Talents program uh, is exactly uh, that. It's an ingenious, overt um, spy program and they've got whole cities and that i think that fits right into the unrestricted warfare doctrine uh as well but but you really have uh called it i think with the civil war aspect uh and then talking about the tribal aspect uh as well and i talk about that too but i'd like to hear more about what you say that tribalism tribalism meaning religious beliefs and clannish uh nature Sure. Can you elaborate on? Oh yeah, what yeah you absolutely, mean by absolutely. And uh, and kind of here's also let, let me step into the civil war piece as we get into the tribalism piece. Why I think that's still a possibility as well. 
you know, I, I think moving to this whole thing, the, uh, the the globalists kind of felt like they could put all of the Americans on uh, the same reservation they've done to the Australians. They could bend us, mold us, break us with uh, with fuel, food, whatever kind of bullshit for uh, societal control. Now, the American people have gotten weaker over the last hundred years, but we still aren't that weak. I think they've badly underestimated us. Uh, so I think that they're going to push too hard, and that is what will push our people into uh, shoving back. And once that kind of cascading effect of, of violence starts, it doesn't stop. It only stops really when somebody's bled out. Uh, so I, I do think that's a very high possibility that's where we're going. Now, as it relates to tribalism, you know, when when you talk about like the chips really being down, being out of power, out of fuel, your life really consists of what's within like five miles of you. And that is your entire circle. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter right now, like how much national influence you have or I have. We've got networks of boys on the East Coast or whatever. If if fuel refining especially goes down completely, those people no longer exist. So that's why the, the tribalism piece is so important. You have to have those people around you within like your immediate uh, area or or some kind of, uh, you know, bug out, kind of, for lack of a better word, where you can support them uh in order to have any any kind of safety when, when something like this happens it also goes back to like none of us are a master of everything that's uh that's probably one of the things uh you know those guys from the intelligence community laugh about like the uh, the jason Bourne movies or the james Bond movies. like like nobody has all of the skills like no one no one has enough time to master you know medical uh tactical uh you know uh, it, uh animal husbandry, all this stuff. So you also have to, you know, you have to have a brain trust. Like that, that's how it's always been done throughout human civilization. You, you're looking at a minimum of about 12 people, probably more like 20. If you want to cover just the basics of like all the stuff you need to survive in a world without electricity. So, so that's really where I'm kind of at with tribalism. It, it can be religious-based, certainly. Uh, you know, if people are of a particular faith, Mormons do this actually phenomenally well. Like, if the balloon actually goes goes up, uh, like, Utah is the safest place in the United States to be, as long as you're part of the team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. They're yeah. all in the FBI and language and the CIA. Mormons are all over that. Well, they, they have their own special forces group out there, too. That's not an accident. You know, 19th Special Forces yeah. Group is headquartered in Salt Lake City. And it's funny, we've always called it the Mormon Mafia, but, I mean, they actively encourage their young men to go and get qualified and spend some time fighting heathens and then come back to the farm. Uh, so, I mean, they really yeah. do have a lot of strengths out there. That, to me, is kind of what everyone else should be trying to build on a smaller scale. You know, you need your you need enough people, not too many, not trying to, you know, run a you know, compound of a thousand people or something, but, you know, 20 to 25 people in small little war bands, uh, you know, maybe more if we're counting like small kids, but uh, with your little you know piece of, of, of territory that you can hold, preferably allied with you know, other little war bands on either side. But I kind of think that's the way forward. Oh, de definitely. And so the 12, of course, is the ODA, but of course, Jesus couldn't even fill an ODA. Uh, and <laughs> he was going to have one cell up. <laughs> yeah, I've been betrayed countless times. Uh, we, we always know with the Indians, there's always a couple guys in there, but we, yeah. we expect guys that we've, right. we've built rapport with to stop the guys that are going to slit our throats while we're sleeping. It's the, but, price, of, it's the uh, price of doing business. Yep. 
Yep. But uh, the tribal, so just to translate, forget the Sylvester Stallone, Jason Bourne, Chuck Norris, one guy. It's never that oh, way. God. It's the Mag 7, Seven Samurai. It's the building the team. That's how it's going to work. And nobody does that better than uh, SF. Uh, that's really important. That's actually been I just wanted to, that's the first part of tribalism. What? The that, second part of tribalism is everybody thinks when if you start making things hard on people, if you bomb them, except for nuclear war. But mm-hmm. other than that, it just builds resistance because everybody goes back to tribes. They start working right. together yeah. again. It doesn't reduce resistance, it increases resiliency. That's exactly right. And you know, honestly, that's one of the other points of the book that uh I've been doing this so long now that I've kind of forgotten about it. This was actually one of the hardest selling points of the book when it came out. Uh, and it, it, it doesn't, I think, a lot to do with the, pro, the mindset of the American prepper for most of the last 30 years. It was based on the nuclear stuff and, like, I'm going to be in the bunker with, like, my wife and kids and that's it. i got to be Superman after that. That, to me, is completely unrealistic for the threat that we're facing. Uh, thinking this, like, one man against the world is going to work and it's not. And, and that's actually one of the things I... I, I one of the reasons I cover my resume and stuff extensively in the book is, is exactly that point. Like, look at this, like from a gun fighting perspective, like you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find a man that can match my resume. I'm awesome at it. I cannot do this alone. Not even, I wouldn't even attempt it. I, it's a fool's errand to think that I'm going to fight any kind of, of force. Well, of any kind of size really by myself. Like that's, it's foolish. Uh, but only people that have honestly been to war, I think, really understand that, how much you rely on, on teammates and manpower. And the fact that a, a, a two or three guys at a much lower skill level could very easily overwhelm a single person at a very high skill level uh, just through you know maneuver and, uh, and, and, and team-based tactics. So, yeah, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, you got to have friends. Like, friends is very high on the list. Like, it's number one. Everything else is actually tertiary to that. Yeah, and the best way to make friends in a foreign country, first thing I say about where the beer tradition came from was, what's an American Green Beret got in common with a Mujahideen? Nice beard. Build rapport, then care about their family, care about them. If you can't make a friend, then buy a friend. That's the CIA. (laughs) Right, right. Which which works too in a shorter, yeah, it does work. It does work. But I also got to say, I just love, I love your outfit too, with your your Carhartt overalls and your bags and your... (laughs) And uh, because that just shows me how much confidence you have. In <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know what's on my helmet? <laughs> your helmet too. I love that. I, what's the What's the tats? I can't quite make out the tats. I, I don't remember what the patch is. What the uh, What's on the helmet is a, a little eight hundred dollar uh, psionics night vision camcorder, which will actually double as uh, as PBS fourteens. So that was uh, that was that was a lot of the idea behind Prairie Fire too. Was look. I know people don't have a lot of money, especially rural people. That's just kind of, you know, I grew up that way. I live that way now. They don't have, you know, $10,000, $20,000 to throw at this problem. So part of the premise behind Prairie Fire also was like, how can you do this cheaply? How can, how can you not just buy a bunch of, of garbage, allot your dollars, spend them on the right things, right, and then use what you've got and manpower to, to make up for te- technological disadvantage? Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And um, so let's, well, let me say we're going to leave, I'm going to leave Yankee Tango now before I get kicked off. So for everybody's watching, gonna show's going to continue. 
uh, live at jeffreybraith.com, live on Rumble, Cloud Hub, and Rockfin, but it's going to kick off. Uh, I just got another censored thing for being a bad sheep. Uh, Uh-oh. So we're going to uh, leave YouTube uh, and continue um, on Rumble. Uh, oops, continue to YouTube. Oh, well, I don't know what's going on there. Well, I guess I won't worry about that since I'm not figuring out how to do oh, that. Let me see if I can. Well, remove. There we go. Remove. I'm a dinosaur. Save. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so now we're we're still here. Uh, we are um, just on Jeffrey Brather, Rumble, Rockfin, and CloudHub uh, Live. And I'll flash up your there's your cool uh, outfit again, which I just love because, you know, so many, especially this, you know, I I've spent a lot of time with SEAL Team 4 because I was seventh group, some great guy. Some real problems, too, some serious problems. Um, you know, I had on John Chapman's sister talking about slab and all that stuff at Takagar. But I just love that, that you're so confident to, to uh, that. But, but I really wanted to start to – um, you predicted so much of this so well, you, uh, but where, but of course things have changed and, uh, and I, where you're going, but I also agree with you in that they've grossly overestimated. So I, I had on, uh, Gonzalo Lira, who is in Ukraine and he's been talking about the Ukrainian Nazis and everything, but he's, he said that the Russians are defeating Ukraine, which I totally agree with. I've said that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then he said, and they're going to defeat the Americans. And that's where I disagree. Because I see there's two tribes in America. And one tribe is 99.5, which is the soft, uh, jabbed, ridiculous Americans. But the other half percent yeah, is battle GWAT guys that everybody always underestimates. <laughs> they they, they aren't savages. Yeah, yes. no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. We, yes, another thing too is we've still got a lot of talent pool out there in the uh, you know swamps of Louisiana or down in the uh, mountains of Tennessee of guys that just didn't go for this last one uh, or or haven't gone into the uh, military honestly for the last ten years because that's when the problems really kind of started. Uh, we we have a deep reserve that's untapped uh, as far as like heavy hitting you know. Dudes that can, dudes that can do violence, uh, as well as you know, our dudes were hard up in the the GWAT. It's uh, something I said late last year was that war cost us a lot, and it maybe wasn't for the objectives we think it was, but it also gave some of us a lot of practice at uh, at, at handling business. I saw that in your sifting of men article, which everybody should go read. I saw that is you you said. Hey, we've had 20 years of train up for what's coming. Uh, and I yeah. thought that was so true. Um, and we, we are, the military is as ready. They're, they're more ready than the, than the greatest generation was. I think uh, they fought longer and harder. Uh, they're ready for this. Although I will say I've talked to lots of, uh, I've talked to some fifth group guys that have not gotten, they don't understand uh, that we are already in, in war. I talk to people all the time, like, when the invasion coming? I'm like, it's already happened. When are the Chinese coming? They're already here. I don't assess Chinese uniforms and blue helmets. It would no. be great if it... That'd be it so be great. Cool. That'd be awesome. I, yeah. I mean, if they actually gave, if they actually did that, do you know how fast I could build an army of volunteers? I mean, like that. 
it's a lot different yeah. when it's a subtle cloak and dagger war. And I, man, I agree with your assessment fully there. Uh, unfortunately, even looking at, and talking to my peers, you know, a lot of them, they don't get it yet. Uh, there's a, a slim percentage that do, but a lot of them don't. Uh, they're, they're, they're choosing to bury their heads in the sand, and uh, that's a problem. It is a very real problem. But, you know, I can just hope that it gets better as, as, uh, as things start to get worse, uh, which is a terrible way of looking at things, but things are going to get worse. Uh, so maybe that silver lining is that our people, you know, catch up quickly enough that we, we haven't completely, you know, failed here. No, no, I say that all the time. Uh, you know, I, I say things are going to get much harder than you can ever imagine. Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of death. Uh, you know, I, yeah. Uvalde, and I say, I keep saying, when people figure out that Uvalde was a false flag and they did that for the message of good guys, they will hang them from the lamppost. But they haven't figured it out yet. But we're still, right. as far as I'm concerned, we're still building the <laughs> resistance. But building the Me resistance too. nicely. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Well, and then, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because as, as far as uh, like uh, the predictions go for where we're headed, uh, people ask me all the time, especially around like oh, December, January 2020. That's the thing. The book, you know, Prairie Fire came out October 20th of 2019 or excuse me, 2020. Uh, so that was right before the election. I said the election would be stolen, which actually means I started writing that in like June of that year. I knew the election was going to be stolen the minute, uh, and it was the late June, early July. Uh, Pelosi, Schumer, and some other chucklehead all came out within like a, a three-day thing. I don't know if we could have an election. Elections might have to be delayed, or elections might have to be done a different way. That was it. Like You knew they weren't going to give Trump any more time in office than they had to, so the election was not going to be delayed. It was not going to be, uh, we're going to do a do-over later. And, uh, of course, they were going to steal the election. Like, <laughs> with mail, it's, it's, it was just obvious from the way that they all had the same talking points that, that was going to go down. But that, that leads into a lot of the other predictions of why do you think this will go to a civil war? Why do you think that these steps will happen before, you know, violence really happens? Because human beings are relatively predictable. Uh, you start looking back at the uh, the causes of uh, you know, pretty much every like revolution of the, of the 20th century, certainly, and, and a lot even before that. They're not exactly the same, but the steps are, are similar enough that you, you can see it happening. You just take a step back and look. And obviously, if you're you know trained to either make these things happen or uh, or or stop them from happening. So I'm, I'm optimistic because they, so when Obama was in office, people kept asking, when I give a speech, they say, when is the military going to um, do a coup? I'm like, they're not. George Washington would turn over in their grave. We're not going to do that. And I said, right. said, well, when's martial law? I don't know, but it doesn't matter because he can't hold the ground. And what right. name operation that the Democrat has pulled off? Right. They can't. So, uh, so it's okay. They're not going to be able to hold that that terrain. It's just like, I, I and so I, I'm quoting you here is, so the ATF or FBI is going to possibly send an undercover agent informant to the party. Big deal. Who cares? Um, as long as you aren't doing anything incredibly stupid, it doesn't matter one bit. Uh, so people are so afraid because they think that this, this government mm -hmm. is so great, but there, there's, there's nothing much to them. Uh, you know, no. that's why my opening is, is, is you agree with that? 
Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, they're an absolute paper tiger when it comes down to it. Now, you know, you got a compound uh, outside of Waco, maybe, and you're the only guy resisting. Like, okay, yeah, you're probably not going to make it through that one, uh, as we have seen. But that, that's kind of the point of, like, widespread resistance, too, is they can't do that to all of us. Uh, of course, they're going to tra- – if you're the you know the squeaky wheel, of course, you're going to get the grease. They're going to throw fed at you. They're going to try to infiltrate. They're going to – and as we've seen over and over for the last 12, 14 years also – they're going to put a fed or an informant in your midst and try to get you to do something stupid. Uh, but man, you, t- the idea that you shouldn't start an organization because it's going to be infiltrated is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and it, half the time you can spot it coming anyway. Uh, even uh, where I live, we have a, a big two a organization. It's, it's statewide. Uh, I saw the, the fed at our local meeting, you know, little town of like 3000, and uh, sure enough, we got a new guy from out of town. He's wearing like basically a Fed uniform. He's got like khakis, a brand new American flag hat that still smells like Bass Pro. Like, come on, man! Like, young fit dude asking too many questions. Like, they're not sending their best. <laughs> but again, as long as you're not either their best, I think that that may be it. Right. But uh, as long as long as that, you, that, I mean, honestly, as long as you aren't willing to to like cross the the idiot lines, which is like let's you know make machine guns and that kind of thing, you're gonna be fine. Like I don't care who infiltrates it. I, I already assume that everything anywhere I am with this electronic listening device that stuff I, I might as well be into a microphone in front of the Senate. So what are you scared of? Yeah, you still got to get out there and do it and just uh, ignore that. And if uh, you do find the infiltrator, you know, help them write his reports. I don't know, infiltrate them back. Mm-hmm. That's what I say all the time. I, I say, if I've been invited, I'm going to guest on a guy's, a young guy's show who's going to have the Patriot front guy mm-hmm. in there. The first thing I'm going to ask him about is the FBI, the megaphone with the FBI written on it. Um, <laughs> right, right. We'll go from there. But, <laughs> but the important thing is, you know, I don't see so I see them with Trump uh, winning. They had to react, and th- and they had to react clumsily. So they had to react, uh, and then moving up their their left plans from twenty thirty. They're on a reactive mode. They've lost mm-hmm. the initiative on all fronts. Yes, and they're yes. losing the human terrain daily. So I don't see that we're losing this at all. I see that we're winning this. That doesn't mean that a whole lot of people aren't going to die. No, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right on that. I, I mean, I, I really started to get hope around the time that uh, vaccines really lost traction. Uh, around the time that like 30, 40% of the country was just like, nah, we're not doing it, uh, regardless of what they try to do to them to make them take it, uh, whether that was, uh, you know, monetary incentive or you'll get fired or whatever. There was that percentage, I think it was probably about 35, where they were just like, no, never, not going to happen. Uh, so, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that Trump kind of screwed their stuff up is a very good possibility. And now, especially with all the things they did with COVID and they're doing with the economy, they've already started the uh, they've already hit the accelerator and they can't slow down now. They have to uh, either win or die. That very good point that you got there. They'll get lampposted. Yeah. If if people if things start to come out that have happened since 2008 forward and people really start to notice these people are all 
in deep trouble. Like, like, yeah, life and limb. Trouble. So where, what's the website? What's your website for the sifting of men article? Uh, that is uh, offthereservation.com. It's actually kind of hard to access. You have to put, uh, what do they call them? Not parentheses, not, not underscores, hyphens. <laughs> you have to put hyphens. In between the words, I was I was late to my website on that. I'm with Ken Martin off the reservation.com, sifting of men, and you should all read Prairie Fire and buy that. It's on my. I've, I've put that up for Patreon. I've I've really encouraged um, everybody to do it. But in the sifting of men, you say that they're creating chaos. Uh, you know, the creator creates order, and but mm-hmm. when you create chaos, you create disorder, and nobody controls disorder. Right. So they're right. not going to be in control anymore. Uh, right. That where they are in trouble. I think this is yet another great overestimation of their side. You know, those of us who have been to war, like we understand, like chaos happens. Uh, you start nothing goes according to plan. You start, you know, giving somebody some blood, they're going to start giving some back. It's going to be chaos. And the people that really succeed at that are the people that are very good at adapting and, and surfing the chaos, for lack of a better word. I think that on the other side, they really thought they could do this controlled demolition and everything would just come down in a nice little pile. Well, that's not the way the real world works. Uh, so I think that's going to be a huge piece of it is, uh, is taking advantage as, uh, as chaos breaks out and, uh, and tilt the scales back to our side. Well, the mo- I, I say all the time, the most committed wins. The most committed has a transcendent yeah. value system. That's God and family. You know, we, we got kids. Uh, yes. You know, they're, and we're we're gonna fight a lot harder. Forget skill sets for a second. Just right. so we're fighting hooked up jab trainings. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they had skill sets, and you know, I almost feel sorry for them. Um, right. Because they're just not gonna. Yeah. I mean, when the when the when the payments stop coming, when the COVID payments stop coming, and everything. Uh, right. You know, it's it's just uh, you know, back to back, shoulder to shoulder. Fighting for Feroc- kids. Ferocity counts yeah. for a lot. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you got a very good point there. When you really look at these goofballs, too, I mean, I, I just really started reading about, uh, man, who's the guy that's us, uh, the advisor to, to – they're going to transcend and become digital gods and transhumanism all this other nonsense. Oh, it's not um, an ideology, man. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You're, uh, you're, uh, I know. Yuri, Yuri, yeah. something, yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. It's like these, these clowns really do believe this stuff, but that's not a really good faith system. Uh, and it's not going <laughs> to hold up when push comes to shove. <laughs> like, like, like I, know, I believe I'm going to get uploaded to my Xbox does not hold a candle to a bunch of angry Americans that are concerned their children will get wiped out. Uh, that's not going to work out for you, homie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I say Jews, Christians, and natives, you know, uh, synagogues, sweat lodges, and churches are still here because we hold the truth. Everybody's been trying to kill them. The Romans, great soldiers, engineers, the Greeks, great thinkers. Uh, but uh, Jews, Romans, and Christians, or uh, Jews, Christians, and natives still here because they hold truth. And that's right. why it was so hard to fight tribes because they were fighting. A tribal warrior fought for his band, his tribe, his women yeah. and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we're heading now. And I yes. don't think they're prepared. The metrosexual coasts are going to fall like nothing. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's fine. That's, that's no problem you know, at all because they don't need 
uh, we don't need them. You know, the, the, the metrosexual oh, yeah. metropoles that need these fragile uh, logistical systems. Yeah. And that's fine. Oh, man. Yeah. You, I mean, you, hold them. you bring up a good point that a lot of people don't get, I think. So many of the jobs, when you really look at it in the major cities, especially on the coast, are just absolute nonsense. And I think you have to like really live in one of those urban areas for a little bit of time to realize uh, effectively like how useless most of those people are. Uh, but they are in deep, deep, deep trouble. Like you're not going to transplant 10,000 guys from New York to, to fight in Appalachia and have, you know, any chance of success. That's not going to work out. Uh, but I think it goes back to them overestimating their human capital and I really underestimating again the, the people in the middle of the country, the rural people, because you, you got to think too. You're talking about like the uh, the elites, which is a term that I hate. We've got to come up with a new one for I don't know what are the chucklehead uh, globalists they're kind of in charge are. They have been taught their entire life that the uh, rural country folk are a bunch of you know low IQ idiots that uh, they can't do anything, and uh, they're in for a very rude awakening. Uh, when when the time comes, but, but those were they were disarmed. Like like people talk about you know disarming America. You'll never disarm America. America was no. founded with arms, right? Uh, you know, slaves, Indians, pioneers, and that'll just never happen. That that cannot that cannot happen. Right. Uh, it won't uh, work. I totally. So agree. where do you? So if you were writing Prayer Two Point now, with all your hindsight, you, you did such a great intelligent projection. You know, if it was a, the country study you were doing for your deploy in ODA, what would you be saying? What would you be adding now? Okay. I would kind of say that the uh, the last bit of Prairie Fire, I don't even think I was wrong. I think I was early. Uh, and there, I went through a period where I was like, man, maybe I just really got that one wrong. But now I think I just merely missed a bunch of steps in the middle. So if I was looking at it now with the benefit of hindsight or with the uh, the, the site, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, too. It took me about six months after uh, after January 2020 to kind of like reorient uh, my, my brain. But I would say it just looks like the collapse is going to take longer, which gives you more time to work on your, your, your war band, uh, more time to think about things like an extended grid down scenario, like not having electricity for a long period of time which lends itself to, uh, you know, smaller herd animals, that type of thing, uh, get a little bit of, uh, you know, land and, uh, and figuring out how to live uh, without electricity or fuel. Uh, really kind of getting back to, you know, our grandparents, things they knew how to do, like can and, you know, gut chickens and make butter out of milk with hand tools. Uh, that's kind of where I see it going. Uh, the other thing with that is, we, this is a, how do I phrase this so that we don't get kicked off of Rumble too? Okay, there's a time for nonviolent protest. All right, there's a time to vote, and uh, once we've established that voting no longer matters, which is where I'm at, really at that point, the only thing you're waiting for is the violence to kick off. So, you know, I'm not saying go out in the streets your AK-47. We're not we're not ready yet. But Rumble started cutting us off right in the middle of this uh, this diatribe. But people are going to have to get comfortable with the fact that they are trying to kill you and they're going to try harder 
and they're going to they're they're really interested in wiping out our our segment of the population. So people are going to have to get comfortable with the fact that violence is probably the only way that you're going to survive and start getting good at that. Uh, you know, that's got to be high up on your on your training list of like things to do. We talked about um, war is not a police action, and that's exactly what happened in Gothic Servant uh, in Somalia is they turned it into a police action. You need to kill some warlords, not all the warlords, but just enough warlords so the other warlords said, okay, uh, we're out of here. That's the American West. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, largely. Go ahead. I mean, largely, there's been a lot of the problem with the uh, the 20 year uh, war on terror, too. Besides the fact that we we're just trying to turn tax dollars into uh, military industrial complex dollars, we treated it in a lot of ways like a like a police thing, and that's that's not how you win. That's not how things are done. Uh, if you're if you're serious about something. Well, you said I think you said get out of uh, Afghanistan in 2004. I, I'd say even. Before that, I think uh, Triple Nickel and uh, Five Two Five uh, had pretty much done it. You just come back in the spring, uh, kill right. bad guys, and then right. and then leave. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to be said for the, uh, the the Roman punitive expedition. There's a lot to be said for that. You know, which which you know, that's if, if we were a serious country, that's how we deal with the cartels. You know, they're like, oh, you what? Okay, you know, send some guys out and mop them up a little bit. Be like, don't don't make us come back, and that works. Yeah, that, I kind of, that's, you know, when it was the war on drugs, that's why I was kind of dual credentialed uh, as DEA, special agent and DIA, um, because everybody wanted in on the funding, but we really never right. uh, went the way we needed to uh, with that. They kind of went it even, and right after uh, Kiki was tortured and murdered, Kiki Camarena, everybody mm-hmm. uh, backed off as opposed to, it, it, they should have amped it up uh, right then. They didn't. But of course, we found out that there was a CIA guy in the room when they were torturing and murdering uh, Kiki Kamara. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, and I found that out that I was crying. My wife was, because I, wow. you know, I worked that out in the extradition and I was really, yeah. really um, shocked. So, what's your um, take on. Uh, of course, I feel Special Forces is the the most uh, resilient, and um, if you just had, were going to have one Special Operations Force, it would be Special Forces because they can do anything and everything. Uh, special Operations Intelligence was required, you know, like with Eagle Claw, because the CIA couldn't uh, do it. Right. But it seems to me that... Uh, I'm kind of concerned that uh, some of those elements, the younger folks are being turned. I've seen uh, indications that those things are in Ukraine. This is kind of a difficult conversation that most people may not understand. Uh, Right. And I think you have to look back on it with, uh, with some older man eyes a little bit too. When I, when I think about how blinded I was as a young man about the realities of the world, uh, you know, I'm talking especially like post 9-11 and those, you know, first probably seven or eight years after that, you know, I didn't want to see or hear that this was all for the wrong reasons, uh, that it, it was basically a money wash and that people in Washington weren't actually that stupid 
stupid. They were that malicious. Uh, and that was a very hard thing for me to accept. It took, a, I'm going to say probably a few years after I was retired for me to really be like, oh my God, this is what happened. And then kind of looking back with the uh, those eyes and realizing that no war that we've fought, except for maybe the revolutionary, and that's a big maybe, was fought over anything except lining the pockets of the elite to some to some degree. Uh, I mean, even even 1860, uh, you know, the Civil War, that was about rich plantation holders in the South not wanting to give up their free resource. Uh, I guarantee you, the, the the average normal guy in a field that couldn't afford slaves, he wanted slavery gone because that way he had to compete against free labor. Uh, versus the uh, wealthy industrialists in the North that didn't want to lose access to uh, you know cotton and tobacco. It's a really hard thing to accept if you've been like, especially like a lifer in the uh, in the warrior caste that that I mean just used this over and over and over again. And we've mostly been too stupid to see it. Uh, so that going forward, think about what's going on with the younger guys. Yeah, when I was 27, 28, I probably wouldn't have seen it either. Uh, so, yeah, that's a problem. But again, some of those guys will wake up and I, I think Ukraine is is especially dumb enough that they may wake up faster. I mean, it's really hard not to see all the corruption that, that came out of there. The fact that we ran a color revolution, what, 2014? Like against their their democratically elected government and just all the scumbaggery that's gone on ever since. I mean, it's definitely where there's like there's no good guys in this conflict kind of uh, kind of thing. But I, I just hope that, that wakes them up. I showed videos of uh, Zelensky in latex and high heels. Uh, people got upset, and I just posted. Uh, there's a black guy do, doing in Ukraine doing uh, the Heil Hitler. Uh, the, the level yeah. of propaganda is it's, unbelievable. But it's I, crazy. I, mean, I didn't know. I didn't know about Israeli art students until a couple of years back when I started doing the cast. And some of my old peers came out of the woodwork and said, "Hey, great job! What about this?" And I'm like, "Oh, wow! Didn't even know." Yeah, um, but, but I would say this, and I want to know what you think is the uh, the deep state or the double government, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, the global yeah. cabal, has to operate. They have their cover is concealment, uh, and their time frame for concealment uh, is dropping exponentially. If you look at the the JFK assassination, you know which required you're a sniper that required yeah. multiple yeah. sniper teams, right? Yeah, right. There's, yes. There's to do that. And if you look at Las Vegas, uh, Oh man. Multiple guys there. Right. I was, do do we have time to take a minute and talk about Vegas? Cause I was there. I was, I was there three weeks after it happened. Uh, so twist of fate. So I watched it happen just like everybody else. And uh, I am also intimately familiar with the sound of, of American machine guns. I know exactly they make a very distinct sound. And when that was happening, I was like, there's no way, this is a bump stock. There's absolutely no chance. In fact, I just, I was still doing gun review stuff at the time. And I just like a year prior to that gotten in trouble because I did a bump stock review. I was like, this thing's a piece of piece of crap. It doesn't work. Number one. And number two, I shot it enough to know that it makes a very unique sound. It's a, it's more of a, it's like seven parts of a, it's not smooth. So watching Vegas, yeah. now, I was like, that's, that's a machine gun. There's no doubt in my mind. It was either 240 or 249. Couldn't tell you which one. So twist of fate, I was in Vegas three weeks later at a Springfield Armory event. And uh, I don't drink anymore. So obviously I walked down to the uh, the place. And I walked down in both uh, the, the daylight and at nighttime. And uh, there is no 
way in hell that happened the way they said it happened. Not a chance. Absolutely no chance. The, well, the, uh, the firing stakes, the level to c- control all that, m- multiple guys. Just, But the point is, the JFK cover story lasted a lot longer than their cover stories are now. If you look at JFK, how long that's been in place uh, versus Las Vegas, versus Ovalde, oh, the right. time is like it's, it's shrinking. And so what happens when they finally don't have a time sequence? So I think the the inflection point is where there is great loss of life, hopefully, but tragically likely more children. But that is the, the turning point. Uh, and if they, you know, everybody's worried about World War III uh, and the U.S. getting involved. Um, war is terrible, of course, but that's not a bad thing for what's coming as far as I see it, uh, because they're losing resources. It, I, I have quoted uh, Oh shit. There we go. There you are. Sorry. You're back. No worries. Yes. So, I mean, I think they're losing folks. Uh, Human terrain and physical terrain. uh, uh, Comments on that? Yeah. I mean, I I definitely see that uh, as as well. And here's, I have a hard time with this one, like, because Putin was actually one of the, uh, the Klaus Schwab young leaders too. So I don't know if he's actually resistance or if this whole thing is a, is a theater. But if he's actually resistance, I think they're running up against something they didn't think could happen. I don't think they thought he would actually go for it, uh, as well as, you know, I don't know if they actually thought they could beat the Russians uh, in, in Ukraine uh, just by throwing arms and stuff. But it's not working. Uh, the Russians are winning. They're winning slower than maybe I thought they would. But again, I'm not a Russia expert. Uh but yeah, I think they are losing people. And I, yeah, I think the bigger point, too, is Americans especially are are like really waking up to this nonsense. And worldwide citizens are a little bit more than I think they thought they would, too. So, yeah, they're losing resources. As time goes by, they're losing influence uh, and they're, they're losing control. Uh, so, you know, we've got to find that right tipping point and, and hope that this whole thing can come down. So you, you're a historian, obviously, and I say yep. that the enemy of my enemy is my ally, which means Musk and Putin are our allies, not necessarily our friends, not necessarily yep. like us. But uh, in the um, Civil War, Russia was on the side of the North. Uh, yep. In the uh, Revolutionary War, the side. We, we always, for that Fourth Day War, you always need that outside blocking force, usually a naval blocking force. I'm right. seeing clearly now that uh, now that Putin is coming into Nicaragua, my old stomping ground. I was contra, you know, I was doing contras back in the day. 
and then I went back as a snowcap. Um, I see that very clearly. What what are, what are your feelings on that? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a that's a strategic move on their part. Uh, here's the thing: I'm the same way. I don't see Putin as the bad guy in, in a lot of ways. I see that he's uh, reignited Russian nationalism, uh, which I don't feel like is a bad thing. And I see him standing up against a lot of the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of corrosion of global moral. Uh, so you know. Yeah, I mean, if, if I was picking a good guy in this conflict, that's, that's probably who I would I would pick, which is a very unpopular thing to say right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely see your point about him bringing troops over to Nicaragua. I, I think he's also assessed that we are too weak politically and militarily to stop it. Uh, that's been one of the the down downstream effects of, uh, of 2020 being so vicious. Uh, while the, the Biden clowns, have control of the White House and the government, they really don't have much political capital. And they have to be very, very careful what they actually do or, or else they're going to tip the table over. Uh, and I, I think that I think the Russians know that. So this is a you know golden opportunity for them to do so. No, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I think I think Musk also in that when Musk wanted to see uh, before buying Twitter, he wanted to see um, yeah devalued Twitter, and therefore he devalued Google and the whole uh, fake cyber culture. Right. In a way, I thought he was kind of channeling Trump. Musk is a harder one for me to read. Uh, Musk is a harder one for me to read. I just don't know a lot about him. But yeah, he. I mean, he he definitely made some, I feel like, positive moves for, for us with all the things he was saying when he was buying Twitter, too. And it kind of, you know, I don't know if you saw this in your life, but I saw it in mine. A lot of accounts started being, like, resurrected that had been gone for a long time because they were kind of, like, trying to cook the books a little bit so it didn't look as bad as it was. Uh, if, if Musk stays true to his principles and, you know, will actually have a free speech platform, yeah, that's a huge asset. I don't care what the guy's politics are personally at that point. Like, yeah, I don't care. We'll put this in the marketplace of ideas and let's see what wins. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, well, I guess we're going to be wrapping up here. I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, but what are your, what are your projections for, or can you, uh, yeah, sure. project or what do you project for, you know, the rest of the year, next year, what's coming? Absolutely. Um, so there is a lot more propaganda right now. So I'm going to say that these predictions are a little bit fuzzier, but this is what I'm seeing. Uh, fuel prices obviously are, are, going to crash the uh, the uh, transport industry as we know it. So we're going to be living a lot different lifestyle uh, than we were even just a few years ago. It's going to be hard for people to accept. Like, But delivery costs are going to be insane. It's going to be, again, what is in your little town where you are. Uh, I think that's also, we're going to see more of the shortage. I just saw truckers started getting stranded on the East Coast yesterday. I think we'll see more shortage of fuels. I think that's also by design because of all the things they've been talking about in the uh, 201 games type of thing. I think we're going to lose some grid here in like July or August over vast swaths of the country. They're going to blame it on climate change and the world's getting hotter, but that's actually to take out people's deep freezes. Uh, so you just start looking at battery backup for those. That's a, a way of controlling the food. Uh, you know, you damage people's ability to store food. If a freezer was your primary Okay, now you're host. Uh, really insane inflation on food going into the fall. And then for the election, 
This is a weird one. This is a really weird one. I don't know if they're going to hand it back to Republicans so that they could be holding the reins when the whole thing falls apart. Uh, or there's going to dominion it again. And, uh, and that's it. The only Republicans that win are a controlled opposition. And it's a, an overwhelming Democrat majority. I think if they do that, though, if they dominion this one and keep everything blue, that might actually be the start of like the shooting war. That might be people like, there's no way. We, we took it once. I, I don't think people would take it again. I hope. So people are asking me all the time about nukes, and I'm like, nuclear war is irrelevant uh, right. in this fourth and fifth generation. It yeah. is. Now, CRISPR a couple of years back was designated by the DOD as a WMD. Now, that, that and that's the whole thing that pushed Putin over the edge was uh, vector, uh, vaxed, vectored birds from Ukraine flying in that were targeting Slavic peoples. Mm-hmm. So the WMD weapons are much more specific now. Right. Made in your garage and everything. Right. That's a whole different. But right. as far as nukes, I don't assess yeah. any nukes at all. I, if, if they were going to use nukes at all, it would be theater level uh, nukes that have no impact on us. I, and I, I still so don't you, think they're going to do it. I, I just don't see it. You remember Satan's? Oh, yeah. Yep. Back, back yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. If, if yeah. there was going to be, that would be it. And I, I just, I'm with you. I just still don't see it. It's just. I think that was kind of nonsense. So that so regardless, then uh, with the siege warfare continuing, it, that is going to enhance tribalism. It's going yes. to hem- enhance resiliency yes. while it yes. degrades their resilience. Uh, yes. So that's making us stronger. And whether they keep the blue team with another cheat or they give uh, the controlled opposition rhinos, uh, either I, I would think yeah. first they would want to because they're really nervous and they're really greedy. Me too. Uh, Me too. The backup plan would be handed off to the the um, what's the squeal in uh, Crenshaw? Uh, yeah. Right. 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 And stuff like that. Not yeah. not all steel. They do, they do have a lot of problems. Right. They've got uh, some cultural issues right now. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree <laughs> with your assessment there. In fact, you know, I'm so far removed from politics after. After January sixth of twenty twenty one, that like, I I don't. We've lost on the voting booth. So I just I don't even care anymore. Like like, I, I talk about that. Yeah, I talk about. I like people like. Hey, here's more proof. I'm like, we don't need any more proof. Any more need proof, man, This happened. Yeah, and if nobody's going to do anything, then yeah, yeah, don't waste your time. So, but the bottom line, so. You know, people are real discouraged, but I'm very hopeful and I'm very faith-filled, and I don't see how they can win it. Not it could take decades, could take yeah. years. It took uh, fourth-generation Christianity to conquer Rome three hundred years, but right. I don't see how they win this. I don't see how they can hold the ground. Do you I, I don't think it's going to work out for them either. I mean, their their paths to to victory are are pretty slim. And and I think maybe relying on some things that they may or may not have yet. Uh, and I, again, man, it just goes back to I I think they've badly underestimated uh, the flyover country people and the uh, the savagery with which they will counterstrike uh, when they're finally pushed far enough. And uh, I think that's going to be very surprising. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for so so uh, prairie fire uh, and concrete jungle. Uh, and uh, what's the other one? Last son of the 
Uh, the, the other two War are fictional, bo fictional books. It's uh, Last Son of the War God and uh, Sword of the Caliphate. Uh, Sword of the Caliphate probably being the only one. That's, the, the other one's fun. Sword of the Caliphate is actually kind of relevant. I wrote that in 2018, and I predicted using a bioweapon as a worldwide way of conquest, uh, which is kind of funny now. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> engineered virus. Uh. Well, you know, as one Intel guy to another, uh, I'm just really impressed and honored. Uh, and um, uh, get Prairie Fire. That's on Amazon. Um, if you're writing another one, man, I want to get an autographed oh, copy. Oh, yeah. Advanced copy. I got you covered, man. I got you covered. I, I, do, have a, I do have a new one. Uh, probably be out in like six, seven months. I, I keep delaying it, actually, because events keep changing. <laughs> like, come on. But, no, I really appreciate being on today. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been great. And I, I mean, let's definitely do this again and, and soon, man. This has been great. I, I really like, you know, hanging out and talking with my peers. I was looking for one line that you had in your book is after 2020, maybe the world is run by, uh, uh adrenaline drinking, uh, what was, I can't remember it, but I was just guffawing. <laughs> Moloch worshiping, cannibalistic, Satan worshiping. <laughs> like. It seems plausible all of a sudden. Like it didn't to me before. And I'm like, well, it looks exactly like what it is. So it is what it is. All right. Bro. Well, thanks right. so much for coming. I appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. Uh, and awesome, awesome Intel assessments. So thanks, thanks so brother. much. Thank you. All right. So that was a great uh, show. Big, really exciting. Uh, shout out to Kirk uh, for turning me on um, to Clay and definitely read Prairie Fire. Uh, and his other stuff, because uh, he is uh, right on as far as I am concerned. So fear not, God bless, keep faith and hold fast. We are winning. Clay says so, too. This is what winning looks like. Remember, freedom is never given. It is earned. It is won. It is fought for. And it is taken. So take it. <laughs>